quantity might have been down in the choir, but the quality was just as strong as ever, Brother Wesley. Amen. Amen. This morning, if you have your Bibles, and I hope that you do, turn to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 14. We'll be looking in the verses of Scripture, verses 22 through 33. This has been a good week. It's been a good week uh, to be in God's house. VBS has been going strong. Uh, children have been learning about Jesus, learning about God's unconditional love. One of the themes for VBS was about Jesus being a game changer, uh, a game changer. He changes things. Anytime Jesus comes into your life, anytime Jesus is anywhere close, things are going to change. Amen? It's awesome that with the way he does that. He's a life changer. Uh, he changed the life of the uh, disciple Peter, Apostle Peter. Uh, however you want to call him. Peter's life was significantly changed. All week they've been talking about the stories in the Bible that reflect about Peter and Peter's change and the way that God changed him through Jesus Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, working even before he was there with him. Jesus Christ was present with Peter uh, for a period of time, and then the Holy Spirit was present with Peter after Jesus ascended. But, but Peter's life was changed. And so we're going to talk about that this morning. But the focal point is about Jesus Christ. And all week it was about Jesus. It was about his love. It was about change. And the Bible is full of extraordinary encounters where God has moved in the lives of people. Man, from Genesis to Revelation, you can look at the Bible and you can see where God moved in and change took place. Man, the Old Testament's full of change. It's a, a, a full of way where God just stepped in and change took place. And then we look at the New Testament, same thing. Some of the people were receptive and some responded to God's word and some were hesitant and some did not respond. Last week we looked at God's word and we saw how important it was to responding to God's word. We looked at the encounter where Jesus approached John the baptizer at the, at the Sea of Galilee and he said, I want to be baptized or I need to be baptized by you or you're going to baptize me, whatever he actually said to John. And John was hesitant. Man, he hesitated for a minute because he's thinking, why in the world would the Son of God need to be baptized? Why do you need to be baptized? There's no change that needs to take place in your life. There's no repentance that needs to take place. Why would you need to be baptized? But Jesus was specific when he responded to him. And if you recall, we talked about this last week. He said, it needs to be done to fulfill all righteousness. It's part of the plan. It's part of God's will. It needs to be done to fulfill all righteousness. Yes, it's true. Yes, it's true that what you're saying about me, being the Messiah, about to being the Son of God, about no change needing to take place, all that is true, but this needs to be done to fulfill all righteousness. Responding to God's Word is essential in the Christian life. We know that if we walk the walk of the Christian life, responding to God's Word, responding to His direction, following His command, letting Him lead our lives is so important in the Christian life. Each and every week, we open up God's Word and we seek to understand the importance of the Christian life based on the example and the model that Jesus Christ lived for us. We pattern everything after the life of Jesus Christ. We know that God moved in the Old Testament, but the Old Testament points to Jesus Christ. Each and every word points to the life of Jesus Christ. The life that Jesus lived on this earth was for God's people. He came to this world for a specific purpose. He lived 33 years 
as a physical human being. 33 plus years he walked on this earth as a physical being. That Jesus was before the beginning of time and he will be after all of eternity. But he came to this earth for a specific time. And during his ministry, he performed miracle after miracle after miracle. There are numerous miracles recorded, all recorded in the Gospels. And even after that, there's times that talk about the miracles of Jesus. But during his life, he performed miracle after miracle after miracle. And this passage this morning is going to be one of those issues. There are numerous distinct miracles recorded in the gospel that Christ was directly responsible for, for the sole purpose of glorifying the Father. Every miracle that he was responsible for was for the purpose of fulfilling God's will and bringing glory to the Father. Not bringing attention to himself, even though he was the one doing the miracle. Even though he was the one changing and making the things take place. Every bit of it was to point people back to God. This morning, we're going to open up the past subscription of the Gospel of Matthew. And we're going to look at one of the miracles that Jesus performed. Now, here's the important part. This is the title of the message. The important message he performed and the miracle that he performed is how important it is to keep our eyes on Jesus. And that's the title of the message this morning. Keep your eyes on Jesus. No matter what happens, no matter what you're dealing with, the focal point of this message is to keep your eyes on Jesus Christ. If you are able, would you stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word? Matthew 14, beginning in verse 22, says this. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. After dismissing the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Well into the night, he was there alone. Meanwhile... The boat was already some distance from the land, battered by the waves because the wind was against them. Jesus came toward them walking on the sea very early in the morning. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out with fear. Immediately, Jesus spoke to them, have courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter answered him, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. And climbing out of the boat, Peter started walking on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the strength of the wind, he was afraid and the beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand, caught hold of him and said to him, you of little faith, why do you doubt? When he got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those in the boat worshipped him and said, truly, you are the son of God. Pray with me, please. Father God, I ask that you bless the reading of your word. God, I ask that you cleanse me of every sin, cleanse me of every impurity. Father, I ask that you hide your servant behind the cross and allow me to deliver your message to your people. These things I ask in your son's precious and holy name. Amen. You may be seated. There's a number of miracles they're involved in this event, and some of them you don't even see in this passage of Scripture. But if you take notes, I'm going to give you a few things that are important. There's a few things I'm going to talk about that you probably ought to jot down at some point. But when you look at the miracles, the first one is obviously Jesus walking on the water. That is a miracle in itself. The second one is Peter walking on the water. And the third one is Jesus calming the storm because he's in control of everything. 
Everything, every being, everything that's controlled or created by God the Father is under the uh, power of Jesus Christ. He controls everything. And the fourth thing that's not in this passage, but if you read on, you would see the boat arrives at the shore the instant that Jesus stepped inside of it. It says in the scripture they were in the middle of the sea battling the storm. But at the instant that Jesus stepped in the boat, they were on the other side of of the sea. These are four things that are important this morning. It's definitely a night to remember. When you think about the struggles that are going on, when you think about the disciples, let's look at some things. At one point, they headed across the sea. They headed out in the boat simply because Jesus said, go to the other side. I will meet you there. I'm not going with you. I'm going to want you to go on your own. I'm going to dismiss the crowd. There's something else I've got to do first, but I want you to go to the other side. So they headed out in the boat. You got to know that they're having to row these boats. You know, at this particular time, I don't think the sail was up. I don't think they had a sailboat. I think I know they had paddles and oars and they were rowing this boat. And you got at least 12 disciples in there working on this, going to one point to the other. Another point, they, they come into a storm. They're battling into the storm. They're rowing into the storm. They're making very little headway. And yet at another point, Jesus appears to them, calms the storm, reassures them that he is Lord over everything. Verse 27, have courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Pay attention to those verses. Jesus tells them, have courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Jesus didn't say, hey, it's Jesus. Hey, look, you know who I am. I'm the Messiah. That word I has significant meaning in this passage of Scripture. It is I. It comes from the, from the same thing that Jesus said, I am who I am. I'm the bread of life. I'm, I'm the good shepherd. God said, I am who I am. He says, it is I. Don't be afraid. Why did Jesus send the disciples into the boat to head to the other side? Why did he not go with them in the first place? He had been out in the sea with them before. Why did he not go? There's a significant, important reason. First, Jesus wanted to go up on the mountain to pray by himself. He needed time alone by himself. That's what the Bible tells us to do. Go into your closet and pray. Go get by yourself and pray. The Father knows what you need. Go get alone with him. The majority of Jesus Christ's ministry was spent in prayer. He was in constant communication with the Father. But after the feeding of the 5,000, he needs to go alone. He needs to get up on the mountaintop. He needs to pray. There's some issues that he wants to communicate with the Father. He sends the disciples on their way. He knows what's going to happen to them. He knows where they're going to be. But he needs time alone with the Father. And that's what he wants to do. The disciples headed out into the boat. They're rowing against the wind. They're trying to get to the other side. And it seems like... They're not making any progress. Man, that's what we get an impression that they're not making a whole lot of progress. We know that the storm began to brew and it was very difficult for the disciples to to get to the other side. They weren't making much headway. We know what was taking place. Every time they rode, it seemed they were getting nowhere. The second part of this, and this is what's so important. We want to pay attention to this part because God sends us out into the storm many times. But here's the thing. Jesus wanted to teach the disciples a lesson on faith. We all need to have a lesson on faith. We have to have faith in Jesus Christ. We have to trust him. But he teaches us each and every day through struggles and through storms that come in our life. He's going to teach the disciples a lesson on faith that they would be prepared and help. It would help prepare them for the work that lay ahead of them. Because Christ's not always going to be with them. He had been present with them through the storms. But there's going to come a time when he's not going to be with them. And they're going to have to stand on their own. They're going to have the power of the Holy Spirit. But he's not going to be in 
their presence. He's teaching them a lesson on faith. And when you look at it, disciples have just completed a very successful ministry. Man, they had been out healing the sick. They had been out taking care of people. They had been out preaching the gospel. They had shared the word with a lot of people, and things were taking place. Man, they had just witnessed 5,000 people being fed with a very minimal amount of food. There are a lot of things taking place. They were on a spiritual high. And in itself, a spiritual high can be dangerous. We love to see people coming to know the Lord, and that's what our mission is. But you can get too spiritually high, and it's not good to be on a mountaintop and get too careless and step off the edge. Spiritual blessings have to be balanced with burdens. They have to be balanced with struggle. We're in a life that we live in a, a broken world, and there's going to be struggle. If it was all roses, what would we be dependent on to get us through it? May we would not be dependent on the Holy Spirit. We need certain things in our life so that we, we become mature sons and daughters of Jesus Christ. When we look on a previous occasions, Jesus had led the disciples out in a storm, but he had been with them. Now there was a time of, of, of ministry that he was sending them out in the storm again, and each time there was a time of testing that demands faith and courage. The first story, when we look back in Scripture, we see the disciples went out into the boat with Jesus, and it was a time that, that he went with them, and he walked with them, and he got them through the storm. But this time he's up on the mountain praying for them. He's teaching them to live by faith. I mean, you think about it. You, you just got to understand, uh, Jesus is up on the mountain praying for, for everything, but he's also praying for the disciples. And, and, and the, just the struggle before that, he was with the disciples. So you think about it. Is it better to have Jesus with you, present with you, or praying for you? That's a loaded question, isn't it? I mean, I want both, right? Well, they say Jesus Christ is sitting at the right hand of the Father. He's interceding for us. He's praying for us. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, he's with you. Amen? It's better to have both. He was teaching them to live by faith. When we look at this encounter, we see that. We see the situation where God's people are today. We're in the middle of a stormy world. Amen? I mean, this is a, this is a tough time to, to live. And, you, and, and your grandfather might have said that same thing. Man, we didn't live through the Depression. You know, we didn't live through certain things. It seems like there's always something in every generation that makes it the worst for everybody. It's not like the past. But, but we're living in a tough time in our world. We're in the middle of a stor- stormy world. We're rowing against the wind. And waves are crashing in around us. And it seems like sometimes we're really going to sink. Man, you think about the struggle. You think about it, how can it get any worse than it is? Man, this is a significant struggle, but Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father. He's interceding for us, and when the hour gets near, when the hour seems that it's so dark and it seems so far away, Jesus will come to you. He will come to us, and at the moment he comes to you, the boat's going to go to the other side. It's going to settle down on the other side. Bible says... It was early in the morning when Jesus went to rescue the disciples. And what, what that means early in the morning is probably between 3, 4, 5, maybe even 6 o'clock in the morning. He had been praying on the mountain all night. They had been battling, trying to get across the lake all night. This is a fatigue issue. This is where people have been working hard for hour after hour, and there's a fatigue issue. But Jesus had been praying for them early in the morning. He waited until the situation was so desperate that they could do nothing for themselves. They were exhausted. The Bible says that he looked as if he was going to pass them by. Jesus is not walking straight to the boat. The, the word says it looked like he was going to pass them by. You wonder, well, why would, it, why would he want to pass them by? Why would he act like he was going to pass them by? Because he wanted them to pay attention. Here's we go. He wanted them to recognize him, to trust him, and to invite him onto the ship with him, onto the boat. 
But you think about it. Jesus Christ reaches out to us now. When he's reaching out to us now, he wants us to recognize us. He wants us to trust him, and he wants us to invite him into our life. He wants us to make him part of our life. That's the same thing he was doing with the disciples. I mean, he, he knew all along what was going to take place. He knew he was going to get in the boat. He knew Peter was going to step out of the boat. But the, the issue was he's teaching them a lesson. That was the whole reason. He's the rabbi. He's the Messiah. They were the students. They were the, the disciples. He was training them to get ready to, to be in a ministry on their own. But he was teaching them each and every encounter was a lesson that they were to learn, to, to recognize who he was, that he was the son of God. They thought he was a ghost. But they needed to recognize who he was, to trust him, and to invite him onto the ship with them. The disciples did not recognize him and were overcome with fear. That's what the Bible says. They thought he was a ghost. They weren't expecting Jesus to be walking on the water. He said, I'll meet you on the other side. They weren't expecting him to meet him halfway walking on the water. That's something they did not experience. They weren't expecting that. Their focus was on the surroundings and the outside pressures that they were experiencing. Jesus reassured them with these words. And that's the words I shared. We take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. It is at this point when Peter needs a little more encouragement, needs a little more direction. He says, if it is you, command me to come out there. If it's you, tell me to come out on the water. Peter wanted to get out of the boat. He wanted to be next to Jesus. Man, if I'm going through a storm, I want to be next to Jesus. Amen? The storms in life, man, I'm going through. You think about it. Jesus may not calm the storm, and many times he doesn't calm the storm. Many times he doesn't take you out of the storm. But having Jesus right next to you in the storm, nothing else matters. The storm makes no difference when Jesus Christ is standing right next to you in the storm. Peter wanted more assurance that he was really the Lord. He said, Lord, tell me to come to you. Christ simply said one word, just like he's done so many times before. Come. Come. Come follow me. Step out. I'm taking care of everything. I've got all this under control. Come. Peter's initial response demonstrated he had faith. He had faith in Jesus Christ because he stepped out of the boat and he began walking on the water. The Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and John all record this event. They all record Jesus walking on the water. But only Matthew records Peter walking on the water. All three of these Gospels were there. John was there. He's in the boat. Matthew's there. They all record it, but only Matthew records Peter walking on the water. In all of history, all of history, only two people have ever walked on the water, and that was Jesus and Peter. The only two people in history that ever walked on the water. But Peter's faith was challenged when he felt the pressures of the wind. Let me ask you something, church. I'm going to ask you some pointed questions because... Our faith gets challenged from the pressures that, that, that are coming from the outside. Here's some things for you to think about. Does your faith get challenged when you feel the pressure of the wind around you, when it's squeezing down on you? Does your faith get challenged when you feel the pressure of the world, the pressure to conform to the world, the pressure to accept the world the way it is? Does, your, does it get challenged when you face the difficulties of the world or the struggles that are placed on your lives? And the storm's going to come. The storms that the disciples were battling did not stop until both Jesus and Peter were back in the boat. Just because Jesus was present, the storm didn't stop. Peter was out into the water. He began to focus on the, on the wind, the pressure of the wind, the waves crashing down. That's when he took his eyes off Jesus, and that's when he started to sink. The storm didn't stop until Jesus and he were both in the boat. While we, they were in the water, it continued on. Jesus was there with Peter. 
and each of the disciples in the storm. And as long as Peter had kept his eyes on Jesus, he was in good shape. He was able to withstand the pressures of the storm. The problem began when Peter took his eyes off Jesus. That's when he began to feel the pressures of the storm. That's the same thing with us. Man, when we take our eyes off Jesus, that's when we start feeling those pressures that are coming in around us. That's when we start having problems with the struggle and the things that are, we're facing each and every day. When Peter began to sink, he cried out to Jesus. He knew exactly where to turn. He knew where to put his eyes back on the focal point, back on Jesus Christ. He changed his focus to the one who controls everything. For Christ was in control of everything and the one who calms the storm. There's a hymn that's in the course of him. It directs us to focus our eyes on Jesus because when we focus on him, everything else is insignificant. That hymn goes like this. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim. Listen, sing it with me. In the light of his what? Glory and grace. Man, the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. As you reflect on the miracles and this miracles of Jesus, you see Christ provides two things, and these are important. These are things you write down. Christ provides provision and he provides protection. He gives us what we need. He gives us everything that we do need. We want a lot more than we need. But he provides what we need. Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That's provision. He's providing everything that we need. It says further, I will fear no evil. That's protection. He provides provision and protection. There's nothing that this world can throw at me that my Jesus can't overcome. Amen. Not one thing. Sometimes it seems like it might be dealing with one storm after another. Man, I just got out of a storm, and here I am going into another one. It seems like there's never any end. Do I ever get a break? I can't catch a break. But one of the most reassuring things that believers have is the fact that Jesus always comes to us in a storm. Isaiah 43, 2 says this. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And, though the, and through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched, nor will your flame burn you. If you trust him, if we trust him, and we always have, uh, we always have sufficiency, we all have security in him, but all we have to do is trust him through our life. No matter what the situation is, no matter what we face, the important thing is that we trust him and we never take our eyes off of him. No matter what you're going through this morning, no matter what you're dealing with, no matter what you maybe have dealing with or how easy or how hard your life is, don't take your eyes off Jesus. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'll go with you always. That is the, the, the greatest thing. Jesus Christ, being our comforter, never leave us nor forsake us. God loves us so much that he sent his son to this world to die for us. John three sixteen says this, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's the greatest verse of scripture in the Bible if you ask me and God loved me so much that he sent Jesus Christ so that I could have eternal life with him himself and in heaven Ephesians 2 8 by grace you've been saved through faith not of yourself just a gift of God man man is a sinner born with sinful nature just can't save itself we needed a savior and Jesus Christ provided that savior for us Romans 3.23 says this, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Sin creeps a separation from us, and we can't get to God. He can't get to us. Well, there had to be a sacrifice. And Jesus Christ come to this earth to provide salvation for us so that we have eternal life with him in heaven. Romans 10.13 says this, Whatever, Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever 
includes everybody. It does not matter what you've done. It does not matter what your life has consisted of. It doesn't matter how many tattoos you got, Brother Roy. I mean, we talk about that. It doesn't matter. It says in the Bible, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You call on the name of the Lord, he'll write your name in the Lamb's book of life. And you have eternity with him in heaven. Man, let me tell you something. When our time on earth is over, we're going to spend eternity in one of two places. Heaven or hell. And eternity is too long to be wrong. This morning, maybe you'd like to make sure and know without a shadow of a doubt that you're going to spend eternity in heaven with Jesus Christ, with God the Father and the Holy Spirit. Romans 10.9 says this. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's just that simple. God didn't make it hard. He didn't make it hard to come to him. It's hard for a lot of people to come to him, but he didn't make it hard. He said, all you got to do is invite me in. I'll come in. I'll come in and live in your heart. I'll change you. I'll change you radically. I'll change you like you've never been changed before. Life will be completely different. Will it be easy? Nope. It's not going to be easy. Living a Christian life isn't an easy life. It's a hard life, but it is a fulfilling life. Amen. 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 Nothing nothing like it. Maybe this morning you'd like to make a a decision on that. In a moment we're going to have a hymn of invitation. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I invite you to come down front. I'll be at the front. I'll be glad to talk with you. Maybe there's other decisions that need to be made. Maybe you just need to come to the altar. Something's on your heart that you want to just lay at the feet of Jesus. You can bring it to the altar. Our deacons are here. They're ready to pray with you. If you need prayer, I'll pray with you. Whatever the reason, whatever the decision is. Maybe you're looking for a church home. Maybe you've just been uh, visiting around or, or just going to different places. Maybe you want to get plugged into a church home. Man, this can't think of a better place to be than Pine Hill Baptist Church. An awesome place to be. Whatever the decision you make, in a moment we're going to have this time of, of just, just communication. This is a vertical uh, communication with you and the, Holy, the Father through the power of the Holy Spirit. doesn't matter what anybody else is doing. It's strictly between you and the Father. Father God, I come before you this evening or this morning. God, just thanking you for your word. Thanking you for the love of Jesus Christ. God, just thanking you for the fact that Christ is in control. He calms the storm. God, he walks with us each and every step of the way. Father, if there's one person in the sound of my voice that does not know you as personal Lord and Savior, I pray that this day would be the day that they would come to know you. Father, for others in our congregation, God, for other issues that are going on in our lives, God, I just pray that your will be done in those situations. We thank you for everything that you do. God, we love you. We lift up your name and we praise you. For it's in your son's precious and holy name I pray. Amen.